Hail you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk three days a week here during the offseason. And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And certainly this is the only Mizzou podcast you'll ever need. And on today's show, we're going to talk all about, well, betting. Yes, I occasionally like to talk about betting here, but there's frankly been not much to bet on. So, you know what? I took a deep dive into the futures, and I've got some thoughts on who the SEC champion should be, especially who you should put your money on, right? Who's the value? And also, in the Heisman Trophy, I've got some value picks as well. And also, in our final segment, I do have some more thoughts on COVID-19 procedures and precautions taken at the university and, and just overall in our society. But first, you know what? I've been talking a lot about guys from the 2021 Missouri football class, but today... You know what? I want to talk about a new, a different newcomer, I should say, and that's Jay Macklin from the 2020 class. In fact, yes, we might be seeing Jay on the field this fall. You never know. And I got to say, breaking down his huddle film as as I'm wont to do, I was very impressed by young Jay Macklin, even more so than I expected to be. And by that, I simply mean that, well, as you probably guessed, Jay is the cousin of Missouri great Jeremy Macklin. Jay has also played football at Kirkwood, and the thing is, he's not quite the prospect, at least at this point, that his brother Jeremy is. He's only, and I say only, he's shorter than Jeremy at 5'11", 178 pounds. He's obviously not ranked as high as a prospect either. Jay, a three-star prospect. Jeremy was a, I believe, a highly ranked four-star prospect, initially committed to Oklahoma, as many of us I remember, so... You know what, though? I, I Despite all that, I've before even watching any of Jay Macklin's film, I was struck by, I don't know, just what a positive, likable young man he is. And obviously, as a Mizzou fan, it's easy to like the guy who's out in front on the recruiting trail, getting on Twitter, tweeting at recruits, you know, basically just being a assistant coach by default out there on the recruiting trail, at least in social media. So again, that made him easy for me to like. So you know, now that I've gone deep into his huddle film, well, I, I'm liking him even more, especially as a football prospect. Now, Jay, at 5'11", 178, you probably think he would project more as a slot receiver than a boundary outside receiver, and I tend to agree with that. But, boy, when you watch his film, he spent most of his time on the right boundary side for Kirkwood last season, and his first two highlights, he shakes two jam press coverages early in the highlights for a couple deep touchdowns. So he, and the thing is, on a lot of these highlights, he caught seven touchdowns his junior year and got close on a few more, it looked like, a few other deep balls. But you know what? He gets decent separation here, but it's not as though he's wide open on most of these highlights, on most of these touchdowns especially. He's really making plays in traffic. And again, at his size, maybe he's more of a slot, a slot type receiver, but he showed some promising ability to high point the ball. I think he can he can be moved around the formation wherever he needs to be, quite honestly. There was also a couple moments where I thought Jay Macklin 
showed really nice patience as a ball carrier too, waiting for his blocks to set up on a jet sweep play and and then later on a tunnel screen as well where he picked up a lot more yardage than looked like was there initially. Jay also was really a jack of all trades at Kirkwood. He returned punts and it really seems like he's got soft hands, not just back there as a punt returner, but in the in the passing game as well. He's much more of a hand focus catcher than a body focus catcher. And that's just something I love. Those guys tend to be much more consistent, in my opinion. And again, back to the punt returns. I mean, who knows if he ends up being a punt returner at Mizzou. But again, just from what I saw of his hands, I think he's a good option. Reliability is always what I want back there as a punt return man. I mean, listen, Tyreek Hill last year to switch to the Chiefs for a second. Remember in the Houston game? when the Chiefs were already trailing and Andy Reid decided for to put Tyreek back there as a, a bit of a spark in the punt return game. Well, Tyreek ends up muffing that punt. And uh, yeah, since I have a love-hate relationship with Tyreek, the, the hate came out in me in a very serious way, in a very embarrassingly serious way, to be honest with you. But honestly, I, I just that just shows, that, that little story just shows that I just can't stand a muffed punt. Just give me a guy who can catch the ball, number one. But you know what? It was also interesting, speaking of, I said Jay is a jack-of-all-trades. They even showed him blocking on highlights, too, as a receiver, which is not something you see much on huddle highlights. So I just appreciated that he seems to be a well-rounded football player. Heck, he even made a couple big hits on these highlights as a cornerback. It just seems like the guy knows football. He's the cousin of an NFL vet. It just seems like he's a strong route runner. And I'm not saying he's going to play both ways or anything, but just having experience as a cornerback, as a defensive back, just knowing the kind of reads, the kind of steps that those guys are doing from your own personal experience, that just has to help you as a wide receiver at the college level. And gosh, they even, you know, I keep focusing on this jack of all trades thing. They even include him, Jay, hitting a 40-yard punt at the end of the highlight video, too. So I just think, you know, Jay's a, a fun a fun prospect. I think he's just he just seems to know football, a really fundamentally sound kid. And, and he's got good speed, too. I, I just, I'm just not sure, you know, it, we'll have to see in college but to really know. But it doesn't seem like he has quite the elite speed that Jeremy did, his cousin, but you know, I, I'm very, I'm very encouraged by what I've seen from Jay, and you know, as I've said already, he just seems like a good kid, and obviously, as a legacy Tiger, definitely somebody I'm rooting for as much as anybody among all these young players for sure. And you know what? Speaking of young guys, allow me to switch gears here for just a second. I remember when I was a young guy, a young ignorant fella that I was. Well, when I would take my car in for an oil change, I would just simply pay to have the guy at Jiffy Lube or the dealership, wherever it might be, I'd just pay them to put a new air filter in. But then I realized, you know what? You can get air filters for a lot cheaper at auto parts stores. And you know what? They're really, really easy to just take the old air filter out and put it back in. It's one of the most simple things that you can possibly do with your car. Well, I suggest you do that too, but instead of buying at one of those big retail places, see, I looked up my truck's auto filter, my air filter, 
It was $24.99 at that big box place. Well, at rockauto.com, that same Fram air filter is just $12.67. That's practically 50% off. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you will ever need, rockauto.com. Again, use the promo code Locked On. And coming up, I'll have my thoughts on SEC Championship and Heisman Trophy futures. Well, obviously, we have absolutely no single games to bet on here in terms of college football or Major League Baseball, the NBA, nothing, nothing. Uh, how are we getting through? Well, partially because hopefully you're listening to my voice. Hopefully that's, hopefully I'm hoping you get through just a little bit. And in the spirit of that, hopefully I'm going to help you right now because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a pretty doggone good futures better. And here's why. It's because I realized that a good futures bet does not really have anything to do with you betting on who you think is going to win the title. See, if it was that simple, then I would just take Alabama to win the SEC every single year, and I would do pretty well. But of course, it's not that simple because, well, like this season, this coming 2020 season, you're not getting an even money bet on Alabama. In fact, if you want to say win $100, well, you're going to have to bet 130, 135, something like that. So doesn't it sound even better when perhaps you could throw down $100 and maybe win 600? Does that possibly sound more appealing? Well, of course it does. But now the question is, what is the likelihood of these two events happening? And when you get right down to it, Las Vegas has gotten really good over the years, and frankly, they get better every single year in sussing out value. But here's where you make a futures bet. This is what I'm getting to. It's when conventional wisdom is wrong. You see, there's so much conventional wisdom, not only in our society, but just in sports too. See, despite the fact that We've figured out a lot of things with advanced statistics in sports, and certainly we've gotten a lot more sophisticated in so many ways. I still think because of social media, because of various other things, there's almost this an even bigger cacophony of voices than there's ever been saying the same thing. And it gets really hard to push against that. It takes a special person, a somewhat brave person perhaps, certainly an unconventional thinker to go against the group think. And right now, clearly the group think in sports, and most importantly in the betting community, is that while the Louisiana State Tigers, the LSU Tigers, clearly last season won the national championship, went 15-0, and that was one of the great college football teams of all time. And yet... The conventional wisdom is, is despite all that, Alabama is the clear favorite, and I've seen LSU is as high as 6-1 to one on VegasInsider.com to repeat as SEC champions. Now, don't get me wrong. I feel like it's fair for Alabama to be a slight favorite over LSU. I just think for 
Alabama to be worse than even money, and you can get LSU at six to one, possibly. Now, I've seen two to one elsewhere, and that feels a lot more on the money to me. Again, this is all about value. If you're only getting two to one, then I would just pass on that bet. But if you can find anywhere where it's six to one, even five or four to one, to me, I'll take those odds because, yes, I understand all the things working against LSU. Yes, Joe Burrow, their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, is gone. And so is their passing game coordinator, Joe Brady, the young fellow about 30, 31 years old. Well, he's now off to the NFL as a coach with the Carolina Panthers. But you know what? People seem to forget that Tua Tugaviola is gone for Alabama. They're, all, they're getting a new quarterback, too. Now, we saw Mac Jones a little bit. He did okay, but let's not pretend that he's as good as Tua. And who knows? Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you how good LSU's backup is going to do this year. He played in limited action last year, but to me, just this idea that, well, suddenly LSU is just going to be, their offense is going to completely regress I think is a bit of an overstatement. And frankly, even if they do regress by 15, 20%, that's still a great team. They beat the living crap out of Oklahoma and Clemson in the playoff last year. So that team can actually get worse and still be one of the absolute best teams competing for an SEC title at the end of the season. And by the way, LSU is hosting Alabama this year. That's a huge factor, too. That's always a must-see game every single year. And obviously, playing in Tiger Stadium, one of the most difficult places you can possibly imagine. Now, also keep in mind that LSU, second game of the season, they're hosting the Texas Longhorns, too. Now, that's a tough game, obviously. But let's say they lose. Well, guess what? That doesn't count in the SEC standings. And if LSU wins, if they win that big-time, prime-time, I'm sure, nationally televised game against the Longhorns with their new quarterback, new passing game coordinator, well, I think that that propels them to a great start and possibly a great season. That's the kind of confidence that you need early in the year. And obviously, the the Tigers are going to be favored in that game over the Longhorns. I think that's pretty clear at this point. Now, if you're curious about Missouri's odds, to win the SEC, well, at Vegas Insider, they were 125 to 1, along with South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Mississippi, and Kentucky, in fact, all at the same number. So, yeah, long odds the Tigers are getting there. And, well, quite honestly, definitely take that. If you're, if you're super, 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 super bullish on the Tigers this season, definitely take that over them winning the national title because, well, their national title odds are only 150 to 1. So, yeah, give me the 125 of them just sneaking in and somehow winning the Southeast Conference. Now, if there were odds, maybe, say, 50 to 1 of Missouri, if you can find that, and at some point as we get closer to the season, you'll be able to find them 50 to 1 to win the East, yeah, maybe I could get down with that. But, honestly, I don't see much of a scenario in which Missouri, especially with hardly any spring practice whatsoever, and a new coach being able to do something crazy like that, especially with Georgia and Florida looking really strong this year as usual. Yeah, I just don't see it. But hey, any kind of a, really any kind of a 500 or better season would have to be considered a victory, considering the 
really tough circumstances that the Tigers are facing under a first-year coach here. Now, quickly here, I do want to discuss the Heisman Trophy odds a little bit, and I don't have a specific pick for you necessarily, although maybe in the course of this conversation, I'll talk myself into somebody. But one thing I noticed and have noticed in the past is that the overwhelming Heisman favorite, especially in recent years, generally doesn't win it. And I guess that's just a matter of high expectations. But this year, the favorite, really the two favorites, are Trevor Lawrence from Clemson and Justin Fields from Ohio State, the two quarterbacks. And that obviously makes all the sense in the world to me. But again, just coming back to expectations, what would those two guys have to do to win the Heisman? I mean, if Clemson loses a one game this season, I think Trevor Lawrence is out. Because that's just the, the expectation is that Clemson will go undefeated in the ACC every year. So anything short of that, anything short of another 4,000 yards, you know, just another just tremendous season is going to be met with, eh, I guess Trevor Lawrence did okay. His expectations are just so, so high. And frankly, the same is true of Justin Fields too. I mean, I like him as a player, but I think, I just don't know that he's going to consistently put up the kind of passing, not only numbers, but just the passing the eye test every week that's going to totally convince everyone that he's the guy. So to me, there is an opportunity here. And frankly, the two guys who are most interesting to me have got to be Mac Jones from Alabama at 25 to 1. I mean, again, if you're going to win the Heisman, you've almost always got to be on one of the absolute best teams in the country. So the Alabama quarterback at 25 to 1 is really interesting. And as you might guess, well, Miles Brennan, the new LSU quarterback at 28 to 1. Well, he's pretty interesting too, isn't he? Now, again, I wish these relatively new quarterbacks had more time in spring to get the offense down, to get the chemistry down. But to me, give me those guys over, again, another example of a new guy, Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma. Well, every Oklahoma quarterback puts up big numbers, right? But since he's 10-1, to I just don't like the odds there as much. And same thing with Jamie Newman at Florida, who is 14-1. to or I'm sorry, Wake Forest transfer Jamie Newman now at Georgia. Again, just a little bit too new. He's new to the program. He's unlike Mac Jones and Miles Brennan. He's actually specifically new to the program and hasn't even been around enough. So I just, I wonder the COVID thing might affect him a little bit. And speaking of COVID, I am going to address that some more a little bit. But first, let me tell you guys once again about Built Bar. And I tell you, I have a bit of a quandary in my life right now, and that's that I do possess a sweet tooth. That's undeniable. But also, I finally managed to make my wife's dream come true by purchasing a home with a swimming pool. So guess what? That means my fat butt has to be shirtless a lot more often. So what do I do? Well, fortunately, with Built Bar, I don't have to choose between sweets and looking my fabulous self. And that's because Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And just for example, the peanut butter brownie will give you 20 20 grams of protein, but only a mere 3 grams of sugar 
and three net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. So occasionally, well, you just heard me do a Built Bar live read, and you know, occasionally I mention nuts and nut allergies. Well, this is this is going to have a point to it, I promise. The thing we've learned about nut allergies, the fact that they there's been this huge increase specifically in peanut allergies among children, well, it turns out that you actually want to expose your kids to peanuts fairly early. So basically, you, for lack of a better term, you build up immunity to nuts, right? And I will just say all of the current precautions that we're taking throughout our society. I just went to Wilson's Fitness the other day, went to the gym, and it's funny, you're meant to spray down with these paper towels, spray down some disinfectant on a paper towel, and wipe down the equipment that you use before and after each time. But, you know, it just occurs to me that, wait a second, but we're all touching the same bottle, though, the same disinfectant bottle that ironically is never disinfected. So to me, at a certain point, all of this stuff is just health theater and not actually helping anyone. And honestly, just this whole idea of, oh, we need to absolutely clean every single thing to the point of, to me, overcleaning actually has been creeping me out a little bit on a visceral level. And I think I finally figured out why that is. Because guess what? The obsession with cleanliness, if you're Howard Hughes, for instance, if you're obsessive compulsive, well, I'm sorry, that is not a sign of sound mental health on an individual level. So if we as a society are becoming more and more obsessed with absolute cleanliness, well, to me, that's not a sign of sound collective mental health either. And now back to my point about peanut allergies and actual exposure is what prevents future problems. I actually think all the people who are out protesting in Colombia this past weekend on that incredibly hot, sunny day with people all packed in together, clearly not showing any fear, not showing any social distance protocols or really fear of the virus other than people half wearing masks sometimes. I actually think that was great as far as the virus goes. I think it's good for all these mostly young, healthy people to gather together and get some herd immunity. That's what's really going to kill this thing. And by the way, it's pretty much not really around in Boone County anyway, as we've already established. And again, just a bunch of people actually hanging around together, gathering together, getting sunlight and heat, which apparently the coronavirus hates. Well, to me, this is a great thing. Like beyond the whole, we can we don't even have to talk about the protests themselves and what they are talking about. I think they're just positive from the COVID-19 perspective. There's something that almost nobody is talking about, but I honestly believe that. So, eh, what are you going to do? Maybe I'm a nut job, but here's the thing, though. If the protesters, a lot of people are arguing who are very afraid of the virus are arguing that, well, because this topic, the topic of racial injustice is very important, it's then worth the risk for people to go out and protest. Now, let's think about that for a second. What was just said there was a value judgment. 
It was essentially the value of safety versus a, a political or social cause. And those are all individual judgments. And I would just say it's a similar judgment to say, well, there's a, there's a balance between safety and entertainment. And guess what? We make these types of value judgments every single day. Now, me personally, I have no interest in mountain climbing, especially free base mountain climbing, that type deal. I have no interest in jumping out of an airplane, but there are people who do it all the time. It's part of life. They love it. I would be scared of it, but I'm not going to do it. So my point is, despite the fact that I'm scared of those two activities, it would never occur to me to tell people not to do it, to force them in a legal sense to take less risk than I'm willing to. See, this is subjective value judgments. And it's not up to all of society to tell individuals what level of risk they should take versus, again, the value of of life, the value of entertainment, the value of joy, the value of an adrenaline rush. Who's to say what that value is to you? Because clearly it's different to me than all the people who climb up mountains and jump out of airplanes. So obviously we're going to have some people who don't feel comfortable coming to Furrow Field this fall, and we're going to have some people who feel very, very comfortable doing it. I'm certainly in the latter group, but if you aren't, I'm not going to force you to do it. Just don't force me to stay home this fall, pretty please. And with that said, be sure to talk, be sure to check out Matt Williamson, a former NFL scout, longtime NFL expert, and the host of Locked On NFL. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Masood.